Steve Rode and Damon Day are coming at you fast, getting you out of debt with their true romance. Steve's the ying to Damon's yang, and they are here to save the day. A couple debt superheroes, Steve and Damon, coming your way. Hey, you're listening to the Get Out of Deck Guy Show, and I'm back again with Damon Day, D-A-M-O-N-D-A-Y.com. Damon, we didn't do these shows for long periods of time. It was months and sometimes maybe even a year between shows. And uh, I think we've done now three in one week, so we're on a roll. Hopefully we can keep it going. Yeah, hopefully. So the last show, we talked about uh, debt validation and the magic beanstalk letters. So I've got to read you this comment that just came in. This comment that just came in about the last podcast that we did. The guy writes in, I can tell. Now, what he's talking about is the transcript from the last podcast. Okay. It says transcript at the top. So he writes in, I can tell the person who wrote all of this either works for a bank or doesn't know what to do when you receive all of the documentation required in debt validation the whole point of a creditor validating these accounts is to have an attorney conduct an audit on the information and find where the creditor charged you incorrect fees and raised your rates illegally which are violations of your sounds like a salesperson Mm. doesn't it yeah (laughs) he goes on to say we all know these big banks are crooks and i'm tired of people defending these crooks my name is danny and i works with attorney in auditing these he said, I works with attorney yeah, after he, yeah, he got yeah. mad at our transcripts. <laughs> yeah. well, whoever wrote that comment. <laughs> and I works with attorneys. Oh, God. All right, Danny. The funny thing is, and I agree with the guy, banks do rip people off all the time. I'm not defending the bank. Right. I'm just saying the consumer is not going to get away with being able to get some magic beanstalk letters running up 50 grand. This is the real world we live in running up 50 grand in credit card debt. However they did, it doesn't matter. And then just being able to send off some letters and, Oh, we found where they raised your interest rate. And we're allowed to do that. Whatever they think they're going to do and just let the consumer walk. Now I agree. There are cases where that can happen. And there are flukes out there, but to try to base your entire strategy around, we're going to send these letters off and the banks are going to just leave you alone is, is a fool's errand. (laughs) case in point yes oh yeah tell me about this thing case in point i got an email actually yesterday from somebody that i'm not going to read it verbatim but basically she's got some debt she says she's being sued by a collection agency she's got a hearing coming up she's been dealing with this for over two years and here's the key part i've validated the debt i think what she means is i've asked them to validate the debt And all I have received were copies of statements, which is what we talked about on the show that there's no requirement that they have to do the kind of validation that the debt validation companies claim they have to do. Right. So the creditor or the collector just responded with copies of statements. That's your name. That's your address. Unless she's disputing that. She goes, I'm not accepting or denying the debt. I'm just tired of dealing with it. And basically she's asking if, you know, she can settle it, which is what we talked about on the show. Right. Like right. if you've 
you know, got the money to settle it, you might as well settle it rather than, and again, I don't know if she hired somebody to do this or she tried to do the Magic Beanstalk letters on her own, but now here she is two years later getting sued. And now she's trying to deal with the lawsuit. Whereas if she would have just dealt with the debt two years ago, it would have been long gone. A debt validation, according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, only requires the identity of the debt collector or the creditor with their address and phone number, the amount of the debt, including any fees such as interest or collection costs, what the debt is for and when it was incurred, and information about whether you or someone else may owe the debt. You can request all sorts of other things, but it doesn't mean they have to provide those. Maybe we should just provide her the Danny's name. He works with attorneys. <laughs> and Here's the funny thing about Danny's comment, too, is that that... He talks about the big banks, the crooks, and everything else, where the the majority of people that are trying to validate these things are actually working with collection companies because the debt collectors contact yeah, them. I'm, yeah. And you talk about, you got the, granted, you got these banks that banks aren't out for the interests of the consumers, granted, but neither are these debt validation companies. The consumers are getting <laughs> screwed on both ends, man. <laughs> There's more to Danny's comment. I didn't read it because uh, it's actually pretty long. He goes on to say, Oh, do tell. But of course, this he's talking about the transcript. But of course, he doesn't mention that because he either works for these crooked banks or really doesn't know what he's talking about. We all know these big banks are crooks and I'm tired of people defending them. I works with attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm su- certainly open. I would love if somebody wants to send in some court cases where the judge has, you know, looked at this stuff and said, "Oh yeah, absolutely, they were not able to properly validate the debt, and so this case is dismissed." I- I'd love to see that. I know there are cases out there where cases get dismissed not because of of the letters, but because attorneys just don't want to deal with it. So there are one-offs out there that does work sometimes. Yeah. But what I'd love to actually see a court case where the judge enters the written opinion and basically validates the validation strategy. I would yeah, like to see one-offs, like you said. But we digress because the thing I wanted to talk about today was this settlement, this class action settlement with Equitable Acceptance Corporation. Now, Equitable Acceptance was sued along with all of the student loan debt relief companies that were using them back in 2018. I'm going to describe exactly what the lawsuit said equitable acceptance was doing. And this is something that I tend to get a lot of questions about. Equitable acceptance was actually helping to fund student loan debt relief services, companies that said that they could reduce your student loans. What we talked about last time where They say whatever they can to get your payment lower. But the lawsuit filed said that the scheme is masterminded by Defendant Equitable Acceptance Corporation and depends on the coordinated efforts of EAC and individual dealers. The dealers lure vulnerable federal student loan borrowers with promises of loan forgiveness, which the dealers do not and cannot offer. At EAC's direction, they sell the service for $1,300, Because few borrowers can afford that sum up front, the dealers offer a payment plan where you pay $39 to $49 a month. But the dealers do not, in fact, offer any payment plan. Instead, they steer the borrowers to EAC to provide funding. 
EAC extends each borrower an entirely new loan in the form of a maxed out line of credit for the full price of the services, charging 21% interest, and it adds hundreds of more dollars to the price as part of the, the service. EAC, <laughs> EAC, then what a turn, gig. Yeah, EAC pays the front end dealers, the salespeople, which are rewarded for each new loan that are generated. And then when they go out of business, the people are left without the company to provide that service, but they still owe the new individual loan. And this has been a mess. I was talking with regulators years ago, and you can keep going after all these individual student loan service debt relief scammy companies all you want. But if you're going to cut this thing off of the knees, you're going to have to stop this flow of money. And so finally, it wasn't the government, but a uh, class action lawsuit was filed in 2018 and it has just come out that the settlement that is agreed to in the class action suit prevents equitable acceptance from collecting on any of those contracts that they generated. So if you're a consumer and you fell into that pit with student loan debt relief services and uh, equitable acceptance is trying to collect, then, uh, need to pay attention, watch your mail. You might get something in the mail about a settlement. Expect to get pennies on the dollar if you're going to get any refund. But the big good news is that these things will no longer be collected on. All right. I I got an email two two days ago, and apparently I was added as a class member in a suit with against Apple. I don't know anything about it. But the email said, I win. and I am entitled to, I think it was $3 and nine cents and just click here. So I clicked on it. I'm like, what is this? And it's like this pages of information they want from me to fill out because I'm a class member. Apparently I didn't know what it was for. I'm looking at it going, I'm not going to fill this out for $3, man. I I, I just deleted it. I'm like, you know what? You keep my $3. Seriously. Going back to this EAC thing, I don't know what they're doing, but you know, remember with the mortgage crisis, the mortgage fiasco, one of the, there was lots of reasons for it you know, back in 07, 08. But one of the big problems was you had all these junk loans being sold. And the reason they were being sold is because the people doing the selling weren't responsible for how it turned out because they would just package them up and sell off these, these bad loans and mortgage-backed securities or whatever. And it was the poor investor that got left holding the bag. Right. So you've got something very similar here. You've got these student loan debt relief sales outfits where at, at this point, the sky's the limit on what they could promise because they're, they're selling a service to, for 30 or $40 a month that's supposed to take place over years and years as you're going through these programs. But they're getting paid all up front. They're basically taking that back in potential issue and passing that off to passing off that risk to, in this case, EAC. So the sales guys were free to promise anything because they're going to get paid all of the money right up front. It's not like they had to perform that service and meet the obligations that they were promising. If they couldn't do it, that's EAC's problem. You know, it's a great deal for these companies. What I don't know is what the discount was for those companies to get paid up front. Now, the ingenious part about it as a scheme is that EAC was not the student loan company. The only thing that they were doing 
was offering the financing of the contract. So when the underlying company disappeared, which they seem to do all the time, EAC said, you still owe us the money anyway. So now you're not getting the service. You owe a very expensive contract on services you're not getting. And EAC was going after people to pay for these things. It was a mess. And we have too much experience in this industry to know that this is the end of EAC. But somebody else will come along and do the same damn thing. Yeah, but probably not the end of the people behind it. They'll just change the name and do something similar. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting, though, when you think about it, if the consumer went out on their own and went, because you think of EAC was, and I haven't even read the article, but EAC was probably trying to claim that they're just the financer, right? So they shouldn't be held responsible. They just mm -hmm. provided the money. But then, of course, then they, they followed all of that and realized that EAC was actually seeking these deals out. In a normal situation, if you say, you want, as a consumer, I want to buy this service for 1300 and I put it on my credit card or went to a bank, like a lending club loan or something like that, lending club wouldn't be on the... I'd still be on the hook for that $1,300 for whatever the terms was, whether that company went out of business or not. And lending club would have nothing to do with that. So it is right. interesting. You have a situation here where they've identified the fact that EAC was, must've been acting in, in a you know much higher capacity than just a, an innocent lender blindly providing people money because of different qualifications. So they obviously had their hand in the cookie jar there. Yeah. According to the suit, they were soliciting dealers and vetting them as being good participants in this program. So yeah, they were deeper into it than just a finance company. Yeah. Another thing out is the Federal Trade Commission is sending checks to people who are deceived into buying worthless online marketing services. Of course, people are going to get a fraction of what they actually spent on this stuff. But this is one of those online services that sounds very familiar to a story that you told me a few years ago, where a company sold business consulting or online sales development services where people would market products. And these companies said, we can sell you a package that's going to make you millions. Tell me about that story again about the, the grandmother that bought into something like this. And unfortunately, this kind of stuff happens all the time. It tends to be with old, older clients or potential clients because I have conversations with consumers every day and what's going on and how did you get into the debt? And, and I do have some that I've talked to where it's business opportunities because they're, you know, trying to start a second career or whatever. And I don't remember the exact details on, on this situation. But I remember telling you the story where I just got off the phone with the lady and I was just like, I, I, I cannot believe this because she was essentially saying, look, I found the service and it's, I don't remember how much, five grand, 10 grand, whatever. Yeah, it was a lot it was, of money. She had to put it on a credit card. Yeah, it was a lot of money. And the whole pitch was basically, it was like an e-commerce thing where they're going to set up a website and you know, that sells products and they're going to drive people to the website and facilitate the sale and do everything. Literally, she was just going to have to put in, you know, her five grand or 10 grand. And then it was going to be like a money treat. It was just going to all hands off. They do everything. And then she sits back and collects her checks. And she was like, well, next month, it's going to start paying out. It's, we're right around the corner. And then I'm going to get this money. I'm going to be able to pay this debt off. And I wanted to be supportive without, I, I, I didn't want to like blow up her dreams, but I'm like sitting there going, there's no way. And, and I told her, I said, well, look, here's what I don't understand. If they really had this turnkey system where they could literally create the websites, drive the traffic and make the money, why would they need you? Like, why would right. they need your five grand? They're doing all the work. Wouldn't it make, if it's such a great thing, why wouldn't they just put their own five grand into it, make the websites for themselves 
and make all the money. Like it doesn't so, make sense. This is like the greatest investment ever. The funny thing is that I'm old enough now that I actually had a life before computers. And be before we had this retail internet store scam, it was the vending machine scam. All you have to do is buy these uh, 20 machines and we'll help you locate them. And you're going to make money just going around yeah. collecting it. The same thing. It was just a different product. I, I fell for that. I'm not as old as you, but I did uh, bubblegum machines. Those <laughs> ones with the big globe and, and the ball swirls around. But yeah, I remember those whole things. And I used to do in college, I got into this, it was coupon books where you, you know, had these yep. great coupons and double coupons. And so I would, I bought like boxes of these coupon books. And then my job was to go sell it to people. I think it was $25, thousands of dollars in savings in the coupon books. I think I sold five to my friends. And then <laughs> After a while, I was like, had all these coupon books and I even realized what a pain in the ass. It was very difficult to actually earn your $25 back just by utilizing the coupons. But yeah, it's very similar stuff. But I just told her, I said, think about it logically. It doesn't make sense. If all they need from you is money, they don't need you. If they can make this money machine without any work on your part, they could just do it for themselves. Because it doesn't cost them five thousand dollars, because that's a, they're going to have some profit in there, so they can probably what, what they're doing for you probably cost them four hundred bucks, and they make five grand, and then in three months they say, I don't know why it's not working, but if you put in another five thousand, we can really ramp it up for you. We give you the platinum package, if I remember cor correctly. Exactly. This was a retail website where they would put products that were available online, and people would buy them. And this poor woman, she had no clue about what she was doing, starting a retail site. And if I remember correctly, the pitch was something like your own Amazon store. If they're setting up a hundred of no, these things, how are they going to find her? It, it would be no different than you going out to the middle of the desert where there's no roads and no people and opening up a store. That's the same thing. You got yeah. a, a website that nobody knows about and nobody's going to visit. And you're like, I don't know why it's not making money because nobody <laughs> knows about it. And why would they go to this random? I, and I looked at it. It was not even a nice looking store that they put together. It was one of those, you know, scammy looking scuzzy sites that you'd never even consider putting in a credit card into. You just go to Amazon and buy the same thing for probably the same price. Yeah. So anyway, people are going to be getting some checks. The checks average over $511 each, which is, like I said, pennies on the dollar, especially when these people are putting in five and $10,000, they're not getting a whole bunch of money back. Oh yeah. So, oh, I found that email. This is, okay. and, and I don't, I don't honestly, I haven't even looked at it because I just uh, archived it or whatever, but I went back and found it. And this was like five days ago, grace class action. Honestly, I don't even know if this is a scam or what it is. Cause I didn't, I never apply for any kind of class that any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's always a waste of time, but it, so it could be a scam. It says a digital check enclosed grace class action. And it says pursuant to the terms of the class action settlement, grace et al versus Apple Inc. And it gives a case number. You're a class member. Your award has been calculated in accordance with the settlement and the check enclosed is valid for 90 days. But as far as I know, they're just fishing for information. This is going to be a scam, but I'm not going to take the chance for $3 and six cents. <laughs> well, that's like all of a sudden I'm getting these text messages about, Oh yeah. Hey, lucky you, your Costco account just received a receipt that has this code on the bottom 
and you won first in our AirPods raffle. Okay, I don't go to Costco, so I know it's a scam right off the bat, but there's never a shortage of people who want to take your money. Just don't let them. Be smart. I've been trying to reach you about your used car's warranty. <laughs> I'm not even polite anymore. I just go click. <laughs> Everyone's so concerned about my used car, my extended warranty, which I don't have. Yeah. Your used car's extended warranty. I've been trying to reach you. It's about to run out. You need to give us more money. It'd actually be legit because I'm thinking it's $3. If it was a scam, it would need to be like three or four, like something to entice me. So the fact that it's $3, it's probably legit. It's stupid. I'm not going to go do anything and fill out any form for $3, but right. it's it's probably legit because that's about what your people think that the government can protect you from these guys. And if they, if they were a scam, they wouldn't be able to have this website or whatever. Yeah. The reality is there's just so many shams out there. There's no way the agencies can keep up with it. And by the time they do track them down and go after them, it takes years. This one you're talking about, this EAC, you said that was filed in 2018? 18, yeah. So that was three years ago. And and then how long did it take You know, for, before that oh. even started? I think I started writing about them in 2015. That's so here we are on. six years later. Hey, did you ever own an yeah, Apple? Yeah, and, and they're probably, yes. 4S. Okay. 4S. Th that's what it was. Uh, that website was a settlement. $3, baby. What did I pay? <laughs> $800 for that phone back then? It's legit. For people who owned an Apple iPhone 4 or 4S that were in California on April 16th. That's me, baby. That's me. I get it. <laughs> so what was the settlement? Shoot, Sydney. You said we was going to Sizzler. <laughs> It was an $18 million settlement fund. And I got $3.06. You got $3. Awesome. Yeah, at least the government's looking out. So yep. what, what happened? What was the big beef? What, what was my problem with my 4S? Uh, I don't remember. A lawsuit alleging that <laughs> Apple interfered with FaceTime for iOS 6 and earlier operating systems. Apple's FaceTime feature would no longer work on the Apple iPhone 4 or 4S unless users updated the operating system. So the attorney found somebody that had some kind of like older legacy phones and they're saying that Apple purposely wouldn't let it work. So people were forced to buy a forced newer to, phone. No, they were forced to update their operating system. There's no charge. So this is what, an 18 million you said? Yeah. $18 million settlement fund. So everybody got, you know, $3. And so the attorneys probably got what, 40% of their 18, the 18 million. I don't know what they got. Please see the settlement agreement. I, the whole here. thing is just, it's ridiculous. So what, if Apple doesn't charge for that, you're saying the whole beef was Apple said you need to update the iOS because the old one won't support this. And somebody had a problem with that. So yeah. there became a class action and some attorney decided it was a good idea. Exactly. So Apple had to probably spend $50 million <laughs> defending that. And then they still had to pay out 18 million. And people wonder why they have to now charge $1,200 for freaking iPhones because crap like this. Give me yeah. my $3. $18 million Stupid. settlement fund. I'm trying to see how much the attorneys got, but I, I can't see it just scanning through. I guarantee they got six or seven million. There's a settlement administrator, which is the graceclassaction.com website, which is probably well, they what probably your had email. to get a million because, yeah, it's $3. Got your $3. All right. So the settlement administrator. Their fees are capped at $1.4 million. <laughs> oh, good thing there was a cap on them. They only got 1.4, such a first world problem. Yeah. The attorneys that filed the suit 
their fees cannot exceed $6 million with verified expenses cannot exceed $1.1 million. All right. So basically you have a law firm going out there saying, how can we make five or $6 million and then trying to figure out what problem there is. They're just trying to create a problem to get paid. That's class action lawsuits. I want my $2. <laughs> oh, I got to go back to what Danny said. You had to see my, the movie. My name is Danny. I works with attorneys. So if you have a question about anything that we talked about today, please don't contact me. Contact Damon Day. Ask Danny. DamonDay.com. We're talk to Danny because he works at attorneys. All right, Damon. Yeah, he works for attorneys. Maybe class action attorneys. Get you $3 back. <laughs> Three dollars make a holla. Yeah, I still have that 4S in a drawer somewhere. What you should do is print out the email and tape it to it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good investment. Yeah. Return three dollars. All right. Gosh, Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, so Steve Rode, the get out of deck guy. You know that thing that you just listened to? Well, believe it or not, that was actually the Get Out of Debt Guy show. If you have a question that you'd like to ask about money, credit, or debt, just visit my site, getoutofdebt.org, getoutofdebt.org, and click on the Ask a Question link at the top of the site. I look forward to hearing from you.